Hi, everyone. Thanks for tuning in to Been All Around This World, the podcast that explores the seven-decade recording career of folklorist and documentarian Alan Lomax, as well as his friends, collaborators, fellow travelers, and in the case of this episode, his family. We are returning in this new year to an old topic, submitting our last episode in our series devoted to the 1939 Texas recordings made by Alan Lomax's father, John A. Lomax, and his second wife, John's second wife, Ruby Terrell Lomax. If this is the first of our Texas episodes you've heard, I invite you to return to the very first, the survey episode we turned in in the last quarter of last year for a little bit of an explanation why the prolonged focus on this fairly small but nonetheless compelling collection. This episode will be devoted to sacred material in the 1939 Texas collection. There's not a great deal of it, but certainly enough engaging stuff, at least we think so, for an episode unto itself. The first recordings that John A. and Ruby T. Lomax made in Texas that season, spring of 1939, were in fact on Easter Sunday at the Providence Home Convents in Houston. These were performances by members of the Lopez family, originally from Coahuila, Mexico, then living in Sugarland, Texas. They were the keepers of a passion play called, in English, To Die on the Cross with Christ, or Dismiss the Good Thief, in Spanish simply El Buen Ladron. The Lopez's were rehearsing to perform the Passion Play that evening at the Our Lady of Guadalupe Church in Houston. The Lomaxes were introduced to the Lopez's by a sister Mary Dolores, and what little we know about this pageant comes from the recorded introduction that Sister Mary provided. She reports that in the 1880s or 90s, a family matriarch named Lorenzo Lopez brought the text of the Passion Play to a school teacher named Lorenzo Flores for him to set to music. Flores, whose sister Mary describes as, quote, living a retired life without mixing with the world, end quote, took several days to pray on the matter and then set the verses to tunes which he then taught to the Lopez family. The songs were handed down over the intervening 50 years, and the Lomax recordings on Easter Day 1939 were the first documents of them, and for that matter, the last. The Lomax has only managed to record two songs from El Buen Ladron on Easter Sunday as the machine promptly broke down and no repairman could be sourced on the holiday to fix it. So they visited the Lopez family at home in Sugarland, Texas a couple of weeks later, where they recorded another seven songs from the Passion Play. According to Ruby T. Lomax's field notes, Sister Mary wrote out and gave to the Lomaxes both a summary of the plot of the play as well as English translations of the songs. However, we have not been able to locate these documents as of this recording. If they exist, if they are extant, I imagine they're in the John Lomax collection at the Dolph Briscoe Center for American History at UT Austin. For now, all we have to work with are the few songs the Lomaxes managed to record These songs only vaguely hinting at the overall plot of the pageant. They also come sort of haphazardly from uh, several different scenes, kind of squarely in the middle of the play. And we're only going to hear two of them. The first one being a performance by three of the Lopez women, Genevieve, Paola, and Eulalia, singing a piece identified only as Chorus of Women. The text suggests that it may have existed independently as a Christmas song. It begins, Glory to God in the Highest, peace to man here on earth, and it goes on to address the fortunate shepherds who visit Mary and the word made flesh in Bethlehem. And then the Lopez brothers Gonzalo and Cleofe, whose performance 
of a Muleteers song we heard in our Texas Work Song episode, we'll perform a piece from the Ninth Sing, the text of which refers to dramatic events. Again, we can only guess at. The lyrics translate, Watch over your lover, watch over him, don't leave his side, because even though he's a good soldier, vengeance awaits him. The happy day has arrived, dismiss the time has come, the prophecy is fulfilled of everything you've dreamed of. Oh. 
Near the Lopez's home in Sugarland, Texas, is one of the largest complexes in the Texas Department of Corrections. It had evolved out of the former Imperial Sugar Plantation, to whom prisoners were originally enslaved under the brutal convict leasing system, as early as 1878. In 1930, it was renamed Central State Farm, owing to its status as the central agricultural hub of the Department of Corrections. John and Alan Lomax first visited Central in July of 1933, and it was then they met two of the most remarkable singers they would encounter during the many trips they made throughout the Southern Penitentiary system. One was Mose Platt, known alternately as Clear Rock and later as Wyandotte, as discussed in our Work Songs episode of the Texas series. The other, a man born Tom Blakely, with an alias Reuben Avery Burridge, known in prison as James Baker or Ironhead, 49-year-old on his sixth term in the Texas penitentiary system. He got his name, the story goes, during a clear-cutting job in which a limb fell on his head. It broke in two. Ironhead emerged unscathed. John Lomax and his correspondence called Ironhead a, quote, Black Homer, owing to Baker's huge repertoire of songs and stories. After their first meeting, John kept up a correspondence with Baker, sending him Christmas cards and gifts of cigarettes and small bills. Ironhead's job at Central was to weave horse collars and doormats out of corn chucks, and he sent one of these mats to the Lomaxes as a Christmas gift in 1935. In April of 1936, John learned that Baker was in on a 99-year sentence as a repeat offender, but a nonviolent one, having only committed burglaries. He then intervened with Texas Governor James Allred, who had Baker paroled into Lomax's care for four months. As John's biographer Nolan Porterfield writes, with the understanding that he, John, would provide employment for Ironhead during that time. Porterfield continues, quote, A further condition was that, if all went well, Lomax was to set him up in the business of weaving rugs from corn shucks. What followed was a two-month partnership, if you care to call it that, consisting of Ironhead Baker playing the role Leadbelly had a year earlier for John as driver, valet, and as, quote, song demonstrator, a musical exemplar of the sort of songs John Lomax was looking to record. Baker played this role in Mississippi, Florida, and South Carolina prison farms as the pair made their way through the southeast and up the eastern seaboard, performing and lecturing at places like Duke University in North Carolina, as well as the Library of Congress. While they were in D.C., John sat James Baker down and recorded some 20 sides of his singing and reminiscing, and they finally ended up in New York City. I will spare you the gory details of this doomed and, of course, highly inequitable collaboration and refer interested listeners instead to Nolan Porterfield's book, The Last Cavalier. Suffice it to say that things didn't go well, and at the end of May 1936, Ironhead was back in Texas. Less than a year later, he was also back in prison for another burglary. The Lomaxes would cross paths with him again in 1939, this time at the Ramsey State Farm where Ironhead was serving his sentence. Ruby Terrell Lomax wrote of this meeting, Ironhead was now back in the line, old and broken, assigned to the garden squad. At first he was shy and stayed in the background, as if ashamed for Mr. Lomax, who had petitioned for his parole to find him in worse case, no longer even a trustee. But finally, he came forward, either drawn by love of music or pride of profession. Impatiently, he broke into a group's singing of some popular music called Diddy, and she quotes him as saying, No, he don't want that kind of stuff. This is kindly what he's after. 
And he started off on an old time spiritual. This heart of mine, God's going to save this heart of mine. Oh, this heart of mine. Oh, this heart of mine. God's going to save this heart of mine. When I was a sinner, I was just like you. God's going to save this heart of mine. Well, I prayed in the valley and I come through. God's going to save this heart of mine. Sing, oh, this heart of mine. Oh, this heart of mine. Oh, this heart of mine. God's going to save this heart of mine. Mary had one virgin son, God's going to say it's his heart of mine. Well, she rocked him in the cradle of number one, God's going to say it's his heart of mine. Saying, oh, it's heart of mine, oh, it's heart of mine, oh, it's heart of mine. God's going to say it's heart of mine. Jesus Getting Us Ready for That Great Day, performed by an ensemble at Camp 4 at Ramsey State Farm, composed of Columbus Christopher, Wallace Chains, W.S. Harrison, whose nickname was Jaybird, Sylvester Jones, who went by Texas Staven Chain, and Wade Bolden, known as Monkey. Ruby Terrell Lomax wrote that this session was held behind a door locked with two sets of chains. This was April 23rd, 1939. She wrote that, quote, Supper with the White Guards closed our day at Ramsey. It will come as no surprise that sacred songs and the singers to sing them were in no short supply in the Southern Penitentiary system, and the Lomaxes recorded them at every penal institution they visited in Texas and elsewhere. We'll hear three pieces from three separate sites now. The first from Clemens State Farm in Brazoria, where the great singer and guitarist Smith Casey was incarcerated. 
Here he and an unidentified partner will sing, I'll be so glad when I get home. And then we're going to Goree State Farm for Women, south of Huntsville, where in the 1930s, roughly 150 black, white, and Latino women were incarcerated, mostly on shorter terms for crimes like theft, prostitution, and drug possession. According to the Texas State Libraries and Archive Commission, black women worked in the fields while white and Latino women worked in the sewing factory, making uniforms for the state correctional system. There were attempts made at rehabilitation. Goree offered classes in cooking, typing, shorthand, and beautician work. Good behavior was rewarded with privileges like watching movies or playing softball or tennis on Sunday afternoons. But fighting or other violations of the rules resulted in solitary confinement or a whipping with a two-foot leather belt known as the Red Heifer. We'll hear a group of women, whose names were sadly unrecorded, perform a beautiful arrangement of It's a Blessing Just to Call My Savior's Name, first Smith Casey and partner. Oh, yeah. 
Quartet composed of Eugene Blacker, Terrell Conley, William Brown, and Alvin Brown performing Ride on King Jesus, recorded at the Walls Unit in Huntsville, Texas, on April 14, 1939. We'll wrap up this program of sacred material from the 1939 Texas recordings with a similar piece, Ride on Mighty Rider, sung by Henry Trevelyan, who we discussed in depth in our work song episode. Certainly appreciate all of you riding along with us for this Texas series. 
Again, as I outlined in the first survey episode, this dozen or so hours of recordings is but an eighth of the Lomax's complete Texas collection. And our focus here has been intended as an accompaniment to the presentation of these dozen hours of material on the Lomax Digital Archive, which we accomplished with the kind support of the National Endowment for the Arts. It's our hope that someday we'll find some deep-pocketed donor with an interest and investment in Texas folklore and vernacular culture who'll provide the resources we require to digitize, catalog, and make available the complete 68, no, 86-odd hours of the Lomax's recordings in the Lone Star State. So if you know, or if you are that person, please don't hesitate to drop us a line. My name is Nathan Salzberg. Thanks for keeping up with me and the program, and as always, to my colleague Michael Cormier O'Leary, who produces Been All Around This World. We invite you to subscribe. If you are not a subscriber, we also invite you to rate and review the program on iTunes if you are so inclined. We'll be back with you in the coming weeks with an entirely new subject for your consideration and hopefully delectation. So please keep an eye out and an ear out and take care, everyone. Ride on, mighty rider, you got your reins in your hand. Well, I ride on, mighty rider, you got your reins in your hand. See him ride on over the mountain top with the reins in his hand. See him ride on over the mountain top with the reins in his hand. Well, I ride on, mighty rider. You got your reins in your hand, well, I ride on, mighty rider. You got your reins in your hand, see him ride on over by the dancing hall with the reins in his hand. See him ride on over by the dancing hall with the reins in his hand, well, ride on, mighty rider, with the reins in your hand. Ride on, mighty rider, you got your reins in your hand. See him ride on down about the gambling shack with the reins in his hand. See him ride on down about the gambling shack with the reins in his hand. Well, ride on, mighty rider, you got your reins in your hand. Ride on, mighty rider, you got your reins in your hand. These songs were sung by Reverend Henry Trevelyan at his home near Burtsville, Texas, on May 16, 1939. This is a that he is making to the Library of Congress in Washington. Sing this song, boys, when I am dead and gone. You all can sing this song, boys, when I am dead and gone. Just think about your justice.